You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey, gals, welcome to The Devoted Podcast. So I told you guys last week that we were actually going to be, you know, we're in the middle of our series, Beautiful Design Series, and uh, we were supposed to be jumping into our conversation about Eve and some advice that she has for us. And I'm really excited to do that. So, but hang on. Next week, we'll get to that one. I got an opportunity to get a little time with Pastor Brett. So I asked him to just kind of jump this right in the middle of this series a little bit. And we talk about all kinds of stuff. We talk about, you know, the Bible, especially because what I wanted to get his take on as someone who knows the scripture so well, just to have his thoughts on the scripture being the authority of us, it being the boss of us. And we talked about that in that second episode. So this is a little bit of an addendum to that, but I think you guys are going to really enjoy this. So we'll just jump right into the conversation that I had with Pastor Brett. Okay, today, Pastor Brett is our senior pastor here at Athey Creek, and he has agreed to come on. Uh, Gals, I think you remember, it was actually last January that he came on, and you guys loved our episode with Brett, so I'm really excited to have him on, so thank you for doing this with us. Always happy to jump in. I love your podcast, by the way. It's such a good work, and uh, I know that there's secretively some men that are, hey, what are the ladies talking about these days? And and I think uh, we're just blessed. you got such a great ministry with the women. Oh, well, thank you. It's always so encouraging, I think, just to, you know, you throw things out there and you know, just seeing what the Lord does. Some of the things, the topics that we talk about, sometimes I'm like, oh, gosh, you might not want to hear this one. And that's the one I'll get a message about, man, the Lord really used yeah. this scripture. So I talked to you a little bit before we started recording that we're kind of in the middle of this series we're calling Beautiful Design Series, where we're really looking at what the Bible says about who we are as women. And it's brought in some conversations like on who men are too, because we are two genders and we're going to stick with that because that's what's in the Bible. So we've been kind of peeling into these, really getting the description on it. And gals, I told you guys last week that we were going to jump into Eve and some of the things that we learn at the garden. We're going to do that next week. But when I was originally doing this, we talked about in that second episode about how the authority of scripture, the Bible's got to be the boss of you. And if it's not, none of the things that I'm going to say from here on out, uh, you know, is going to really matter if you don't land on that authority. And when I originally was thinking about this, I thought, man, if I could have Brett on that episode with the one about authority of scripture, that would have been my choice. So gals, we get to do sort of a, not necessarily a redo, because last time we talked about some of the, you know, the finer points of that scripture is inspired and infallible. But Pastor Brett, you know the Bible better than I think anyone I've ever known in my life. I've learned so much from your teaching over the years. And so I think people in general, but women for sure, we really struggle with this having something that has a say over us. And what would you say about that just culturally where that leads us and you know what the Bible says for that? Well, that's a great question. And I think I just sense that people in general today are really struggling with authority I remember, you know, when I was a little kid in the 60s, you know, there was a rebellion against authority and anti-establishment, all this stuff. And, and, you know, I thought that would be over eventually that maybe we'll get back to where we'll respect. There's always a place for respecting authority. But today, man, everybody's questioning everything. There's this, you know, movement where, you know, even in the church, some people are saying we need to kind of deconstruct our faith that was given to us by authorities, by our parents, 
by our old pastors. Like there's this whole movement now of people saying, we're just going to tear apart everything that these authoritarian people said to us when we were children and we're going to rebuild it on our own. It's like we want to own experience and we, you know, but when you read your Bible, you get this very clear mandate from the Lord to submit to him and to submit to his authority and his plan and his purpose. And and really, the way I, I walk away after reading the Bible is we're, we're all supposed to submit ourselves one to another, but ultimately to the Lord and then the, the greatest to his word. And uh, people in general really struggle against that. So just from my perspective, it's not just for any one group. And I love, Amy, that you're able to talk to women directly because you understand more dynamically what the challenges are and, and what does it mean to be a woman in the church today and in that role that God has defined as a wife. And what I love about the Word of God is it doesn't leave any question marks for us. It tells us, here's what you're supposed to do. And if you question God's Word, then you're in trouble because you're still saying, well, I don't know if I like that, so I'm going to make this rule up. But that rule that we make up in our minds only going to get us into trouble. And, you know, one thing that I love about being a Bible teacher is whether I agree with something or like it, when I stick to the Bible and take the whole Bible as God's inspired, inerrant Word, I have to teach that whether I like it or not. And like you just said, when I teach those things that I'm most uncomfortable with, oftentimes that's when people come up and say, man, I'm so glad for the clarity. I'm sure they're not saying, Brett, you provided that clarity, but the word, it's the word that provides the clarity that we need. And it just makes it clear. I like, as a guy, I like the old military movies, you know, where, you know, World War II and stuff like that. But, you know, chain of command, you know, you realize when it's a life or death situation like warfare, the chain of command is everything. And if that breaks down, even if the commanding officer is a lesser person than the private or whatever, the chain of command has to be there. And there's an order of uh, authority. And I believe that that's why our society is breaking down because we don't have any real respect largely as a society for a chain of command or an authority. But what I love is our authority starts, in my opinion, with the word of God. Um, without that, we would have no beginning point to, well, who should we listen to and, and who's in charge here and and why are we doing what we're doing? The Word just provides just perfect clarity for us individually, for the church corporately. And, um, and I think that's one of the blessings of what I get to do by teaching the Bible. I feel like when you're, with something you just said there with the authority of Scripture, you have that on one side and God being the ultimate authority in these things about being very specific and very clear about what these order look like, which we're going to get to talk about that when we start talking about the family and stuff of that in future episodes. But your alternative to that is yourself. And that is what the one thing that I think, and I don't want to say this in a harsh way, but that is the thing that kind of makes me scratch my head. If you don't want to maintain a biblical authority that God is ultimately in charge and has a say over your life, you've just trumped God. It's such an interesting I mean, when you say it that way, it seems like, well, ooh, do I want to do that? But yet we do have this a little bit of this elevation or maybe a lot of this elevation of, of ourselves and our own intellect. No, I, I think that's right. I think, you know, our own intellect can become, I mean, this is to say it radically, it becomes a God in place of God. You know, the Apostle John always talked about <clears throat> there's many antichrists. And we think of the word antichrist is against Christ, which, of course, the antichrist that's coming will be against Christ. But the word antichrist, truthfully, uh, means in place of Christ. That's what we do when we sort of let our opinions controvert the Word of God and say, well, I, I disagree with that, and I'm not going to have that worldview, even though the Bible teaches it. 
we're putting ourselves in a place against the Lord, in place of the Lord. And um, Jesus talked about this when he said, you know, if you don't receive my word as it is the word, then you are not Christ's. Like you don't belong to Christ. And we were talking about this, I think, last night at the Wednesday night Bible study, how um, when we reject God's word, we're putting ourselves really against the Lord himself. So I think that, you know, we live in a culture that celebrates, well, I just kind of have my own feelings on that. And we, we really like to show people that we're thinking for ourselves. But I love, I've learned, I've lived long enough to know that I don't trust myself. I would never want to, you know, think that I know something more than I really do. And um, the word has just proven for centuries to be absolutely true. So I feel like we're on really good ground when we stick to scripture and, and forget about our own opinions on that level. So something that comes up a lot, especially with some of the topics that we're going to get to with women's roles and whether it's in the church or in the home, there is this little argument that's made about, well, that's not for today. And it's one of the reasons why I definitely want to go into the, you know, the creation story next week, because you can't really pull that argument. But I wonder if you would talk about a little bit about that, because when it comes to things that we maybe don't like in our societal norm, we just like to slap this little, well, that was back in that day. I'll admit that that is a tricky subject. You know, I feel like uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 gives us, as you're going to go into with the garden experience there, it takes away that argument from 1 Timothy chapter 2. I love that the Lord removes that argument out of time. I mean, he's using a, a defense that goes all the way back to the beginning of the Garden of Eden, which means we're not talking about the first century church and the role of women during the first century. The argument Paul makes there inspired by the Lord. It's an argument that goes all the way to the garden. I think there's more difficult ones, honestly, like for example, 1 Corinthians 11 talks about the women wearing a head covering. And so if somebody says for 1 Timothy 2, well, that's just cultural. The church, they didn't have women teaching in the church. And I don't think you can make that argument with what Paul actually says about that. When you go to 1 Corinthians 11 and talk about the women in church and having the head coverings, there was a cultural thing at that time about women and head coverings. There's even places in the world today, you know, in the Muslim worlds where that's a big deal. Here's where I love what the Bible does. It gives us the reason why women should have their head covered. And it had to be with do with angels and it had to do with the attitude of the people in the church. So suddenly, why aren't women wearing head coverings at Athey Creek or growing their hair really long? You know, if you read First Corinthians 11, and it has to do with Paul gave us the context of why women in the church in his day should wear head coverings. And so in our culture, we can say, well, the why, we don't want to offend angels, of course, but in our culture, a head covering doesn't mean the same thing it did back then. So it does become very tricky. Are you saying, Brett, you're going to pick and choose which things we're going to say are cultural and during that time, you know, First Timothy chapter two, or are you going to call it, we got to take the Bible all literally? I believe the Lord gives each situation clarity on each topic. And the, the, to me, there's airtight clarity in 1 Timothy 2 about the men teaching in the church, leading in the church, and the women's role. And then I think there's real clarity in 1 Corinthians 11 talking about what the heart behind the head covering and why women would grow their hair long or have a head covering. I think it was about just an attitude of the heart. And Paul, it's not me saying that, Paul actually made that argument. So I'm not going to say it's an easy topic, but it is something that we should at least be careful to discern. What's the reason why we're told what we are in scripture? And are there 
answers and solutions given for the local church at that time, but we still need to seek that same answer and heart behind what that was speaking of. And I think that when you do that, you actually end up with a very reasonable role for men and women in the church, and it makes perfect sense if you carefully discern what the Bible's saying. Yeah, and I will say too, you know, gals, if you have questions or you are interested in what he was just talking about on 1 Corinthians 11, I actually, not too long ago, I went back and I listened to your teaching on that. So, you know, go on to atheacreek.com and listen to the teaching that Brett did on 1 Corinthians 11, because it really does unpack a lot of that really well. But you said something in there that I think sometimes might just be right at the crux of it, and that is the attitude in which you are posturing yourself with. If you are a gal that is, your attitude is to come to something with not being your ultimate authority, you know, or what is it really trying to discern what the Lord would have for me? That's very different than coming at scripture with my own preconceived, this is how I want to do and trying to make scripture fit to what your narrative is. I think that that's it's been wrapped up into kind of this idea that experience and story has been kind of like the ultimate, I think, in the last several years, especially for women. But man, your story, your experience, nobody can touch that. That's what they say. That's nearly holy. There can be a little bit of idolatry even in that, of that. But I think it comes back to that attitude part. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, the experience and the story is such a dangerous thing because when you read the Bible, you realize people had experiences like Saul with um, when he was trying to conjure up Samuel's, you know, the, the witch that Saul went and sought after. Um, that was an experience, sure. but it was from Satan, <laughs> you know? And so we need to be careful about, you know, our emotions and our experience. And again, that's where we have to say more than me letting that be the standard, my experience. We've got to continue to let the word measure everything else. If, if we're measuring our experience against the word and saying, hey, this is in line with what the Bible teaches me, then we can enjoy and appreciate those experiences. But I'm with you. I think we too many people put way too much on experience and, and the emotional engagement part. I think, I wonder, you know, I, I love that you have this ability to, to communicate with the women about this because I feel like as a pastor, that's one of my weakest points is the emotional experience of things. Cause I'm about as sensitive as a brick. I tend to be, Debbie tells me that in a loving way, but I really have a hard time sometimes relating to people. And it's not just women. Men come up with that same thing too, where they have more of an emotional connection with something. But I'm, I am the guy, whether I like it or not, where I I always want to say, it is written, you know, here's what the word says about that. So is that emotional thing that you're clinging to, is that really in line with scripture or is it not? And I think the Lord's kind of wired me that way, but I think we all have to be really careful. I think we all need to purposefully uh, be be thinking, Lord, does my emotion, does my experience, does this, this feel that I'm having, I can't let that trump what the word says. The word is always the end of the discussion for me. And that's why, you know, I think it is so important to be at a church that teaches the Bible. I think, gals, it's important that you know your Bibles, that you read your Bibles, because there is so many other people's experiences and stories that are going to appeal to your emotion and your feeling. And we have to be really guarded about that. Emotions are not bad, but they're not to be a guide. We can strain that. You you said sensitivity. I'm a mom of three boys, so sometimes I get a little bit more of the suck it up buttercup notion too, and I have to work on that at, at times. But it is to be careful that our emotions don't lead when it comes to 
really how things should go. How, how should go. You know, don't you think, Amy, that there's actually, and I, I'm always feeling like I'm always calling people out. I'm not trying to do that, but I'm concerned about there's ministries that build the whole thing on the emotional experience. And in some ways, I feel like people are being taken almost like when you go to a used car salesman who's really good at selling you a bill of goods and they know how to tap into your emotion about this car and why you should have this car. And there's people that just hook, line and sinker. Oh yeah, sign me up, you know? And I feel like there's Christians being even duped in some ways by people with, I even think there's some people with ill will to promote what they're doing more than it is to say, what is really the heart of the Lord? What does the word actually say? And I believe there's all kinds of pitfalls out there. If we let our the emotional connection be the thing that's guiding us, to me, that's a really sketchy standard. Um, that's why I think it's good that you're really covering these topics. When it comes to the emotion thing, and I, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but it's where that order of the family so comes in. And I just have personal experience. There are things that I have gotten far more fired up about. But then if I talk to Chris about it, he's able to go, well, but have you thought about this? And have you thought about this? And it's not that he's not you know, concerned as much as I am, that kind of stuff. But it's that distinction and roles that we have that I recognize that I need that. Now, it still comes back to an authority and a submission thing. If I, you know, Chris could have all the well-intentioned moments and, and conversations with me that he wanted. And if I would not choose to submit to that and I, you know, just wanted to continue to be fired up, then we wouldn't be getting anywhere. So it does kind of keep coming back to being submitted to something and whatever that looks like. Yeah, I agree. You know, the thing is what we have to be careful of, like when I see you and Chris as a couple operate, I think what a great team, you know, and I see that in so many couples. And so it's not to say that we're using the scripture as our anchor and just totally dismissing the sensitivity and the emotion and the experience. We're not dismissing all that. It's when we use the the other for our guide, the emotion, the, the sensitivity. Uh, if that's our guide, then we're going to get off course. But when you complement the standard as the word, and then you bring in the, the beautiful things the Lord does, then there's a, this emotional connection that's legitimate and real and powerful. So I don't want to, I think if, if we're not careful, we could create this chilly, insensitive Christianity where we're locked into our doctrine, which, you know, you and I, I think we're more champions of that. And so if we erred, we'd probably err on that side. But I also, the Lord has always reminded me that um, we need to really also see the value once we're locked down in doctrine with anchored, the anchor of the word, to also then appreciate everything that is in line with the word that is the experience, the emotional, and just that beautiful part that you can feel at times. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I, like you said, it is both sides. It's having, you know, the folks that might be more wired towards emotion. I got to still acknowledge that, man, the Lord gave us emotion and feeling and women specifically. He made us feelers in a lot of ways. And it's not trying to say that we don't want to use the things that the Lord created us to have, but it is perhaps both sides. It's you must come back to the scriptures and say, well, how does this line up? How does this really, where should I land? Where do I need to shave off some of my own emotion on this? Where do I need to shave off some of my own insensitivity to kind of come into that? One of the things that if I can go back to when we were talking about scripture and there's a whole lot of things out there right now where people want to kind of sow seeds of doubt with the Bible. And whether it's not, whether they want to just say, well, it's really just, you know, 
a bunch of really old books and it's a great work of literature. You know, there's that camp. And then we could talk about that one if you wanted a little bit too. But I especially want to talk about the group that wants to just say, we just can't really know about things of scripture. And they just try to sow these little seeds of like, well, that could be. And so, you know, they'll ask a student per se, they'll say, you know, what, what do you think about this? As if that student their own knowledge and intellect is going to be the thing that's going to land them there. But I feel like this is really dangerous in a lot of circles. But how can we look at Scripture and go, no, we can know? For me, it gets down to your initial approach. If you approach the word like, well, let's see what this Scripture has to say, and then we'll decide whether it's, is this to be taken literally, or is this really a true story, like in the Old Testament case, or is this just some you know, allegory or myth or something like that. When we ask those questions, you're approaching it. And here's the problem with that, in my opinion, you're judging the Bible. I believe God's word was written to judge us. You let the Bible judge you, you don't judge the Bible. And and it gets down to like my approach, my approach, you know, 2 Timothy 3.16 is, is how I approach the Bible because the Bible says of itself, and this is a key, what does the Bible say of itself? You either believe this or you don't. I mean, I'm a kind of a black and white kind of person that way. When it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect. The word perfect there is literally matured in the original Greek text, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I love how airtight verses 16 and 17 of 2 Timothy 3 is. It says all scripture, not some. That's the first thing that people will do is say, well, we know that the book of Genesis, it's funny all the all the important, you know, the, the creation in the first few chapters of the book of Genesis, essential when it comes to are you going to take the Bible literally and just believe it? Or are you going to try to, like you just said, diminish it just in just a little bit, plant that seed of doubt, you know, in someone. I approached the Bible saying, wow, Genesis chapter one, uh, God just spoke the world into existence. Uh, the sun, let there be light. Bam, there's the sun. Do I believe that that literally happened? I've noticed the people that approach that saying, well, we can't take that literally and stuff. Suddenly you've got the rest of the Bible, you can doubt. You can doubt the whole rest of the Bible if you start doubting that story. And that's why I'm a, a literalist. I take the... Now, keep in mind, there's places in the Bible that that say this is literal. And then there's other places that gives us more of an idea, this is more figurative. When the Bible says it's figurative, like when Jesus says, uh, he tells them a parable. We know that that parable may not be a literal story that happened, but it we know that that's a, an analogy, a story. So there are times where the Bible gives us that license to take things figuratively, but it doesn't when it comes to those stories. If you believe all scripture, Genesis chapter one, or I love it, you know, all the critics of the Bible, they like to tear apart books like Daniel because of the prophetic nature of Daniel. How could Daniel have literally known what was going on? So they try to change the dating and the authorship and the legitimacy because they're saying, no way, you know, can someone have written this stuff before? I loved approaching it saying, no, all scripture is God breathed. That's the word inspiration, that God gave us his word. And then he nails it down even more tight when he says, and it's profitable for instruction and doctrine, which is teaching the scripture, for correction and reproof, for instruction. And then it says that the man of God might be fully matured. There's nothing lacking in the Bible that will not make the Christian 
fully matured. People that try to diminish the Bible, it's like, well, you got the Bible, but you also need to be logical. You also need, they'll try to add what a person needs to be fully matured in faith. I think the Bible gives us everything we need. There's nothing lacking. It's all inspired. The two kinds of people in this world, there's people that approach the Bible, taking it literally as the inspired, authoritative word of God. And then there's the people that say, well, we really can't do that. And frankly, I've watched this over the years, the people that don't take the Bible as inspired, perfect, their walk starts to get on really shaky ground really fast because suddenly you can make your own judgment of what is truth aside from the Bible, and that leads to nothing but trouble. So that's a long long answer to the question, but I think that's the way. It's how do you approach the Bible? And I've just found great safety. You know, when I teach the Bible, and especially in topics that I'm uncomfortable with, which is funny because I'm thankful, Amy, that you deal with some of these topics with the ladies because you can do it so much better than I can, especially addressing the women in our church. But when I come to 1 Timothy chapter 3, how do I teach that? When I approach the Bible and say, I have to trust that the Bible knows what it's talking about, whether I agree with it or not. I'm going to be frank with you. I look at women and uh, their abilities, and I think, man, God has given us such a a great blessing. And uh, I would say that I've heard, you know, some teachings that you've given Amy and the words that you share. And I think, wow, she could teach anybody. I would almost say, if, I, if it wasn't for the Bible, I'd say, man, we need Amy to teach next Sunday morning because you really do a good job teaching. But you and I both, we just say, well, the Bible says that men are supposed to take that role. And the world, a lot of the world hates that. But see, because I approach the Bible saying, well, this is the word of God, I have to almost go against my nature and say, well, God gave me as a man that job to teach this congregation. I'm not going to argue with the Lord on that, even though I could make a logical argument, maybe why men and women, you know, what a lot of people are doing right now saying, well, we just don't agree with 1 Timothy chapter 2. I approach the Bible just saying, I'm going to submit to it whether I like it or not. But I love the safety in that. And that's what gives me confidence. I don't have confidence to teach 1 Timothy 2 because I'm a really smart person. I have confidence to teach 1 Timothy 2 because I just trust that God knew what he was doing when he was divvying out the roles and the responsibilities for the church. And and um, I'm not going to question that. I love that you brought that up. We actually did a podcast where we talked about competency versus calling, because I do think that there are lots of very competent women. And sometimes the arguments that I hear from people at other churches, they will say, well, I have, I have this gifting towards this and all of that. And my answer to that is not, well, no, you don't. No, you may have that gift, but to be competent in something doesn't necessarily mean that that is what you are called to do. And I see lots of women substitute their competency for perhaps what the real calling. And I, I'm careful with that word because I do think we're called to things. Sometimes women use that as like some emote that even in itself is like, you know, what am I called to that kind of thing. But what the Bible is calling you to do is what I mean by that. No, you're totally right. I like that the competency because people are so qualified in so many areas to do so many things. But even in the work world, not everybody can do the same job. There, there needs to be diversity in the way people use their talents and giftings. And and um, I always liken it to a coach you know, of a football team or a basketball team. You're going to have different people with different competencies, but not everybody's going to be able to play quarterback. you know. And so the coach has to make a decision. Who's that person going to be? And, and God just made it clear in his church, here's what I want 
my people to do. And, and I even think, you know, he gives us a certain reason there that I think you're going to cover in when you talk about this from the garden. But I bet there's a million things we don't even know about why the Lord has structured the things the way he has. There might be a lot of players on a football team, well, I want to play this position and the coach won't put me in. And there's a lot of parents on the sidelines of a high school football team. I think my son should be playing in that position. But God knows exactly what he's doing and he's got all his his reasons. You know, and his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are wiser than our thoughts. I'm convinced when we get to heaven, I think we'll we'll have this great understanding like, oh man, the Lord knew exactly what he was doing. Like, let me give you an example. Some people think God put men in the role. And this is a wrong, false dilemma that they create. Men are the leaders in the church because men are smarter than women. Totally wrong. And I almost wonder if it might even be the opposite. It might be like the Lord says, oh, what do I do with these guys to get them to step up, to get them to read their Bibles, to be good fathers and husbands? Oh, I think I'll just put them in charge because they're, they're, at least they'll sense a responsibility that they need to step up to that role. And I'm convinced there's reasons we know nothing of that the Lord says, here's why I actually gave men that role in the church. And it may not even be because of our strengths. It might even have something to do with our own weaknesses. That's my opinion. And I think, too, it adds to the amazing picture that the complementarian that we are, that we complement each other is so beautiful in scripture and why, you know, you're selling yourself short on like, you don't like to talk about, you know, the hard stuff that you think women don't want to hear. But, and I've probably said this on the podcast before and people can ask Chris, he will verify. I love every sermon that I have walked out of Athey Creek where you have been teaching on submission or on one of these topics that, yeah, maybe culturally people don't always want to hear man, they just bring a smile to my face. Now that's not because, oh, Amy, you're just, you have this more figured out. No, it's not. I think it's because it is, that is how God wired us to be. And when you kind of sit into that role, it just, it feels right. I gave, I gave the gals the analogy at the, like, think the very first episode that it's sort of like putting on your favorite pair of jeans backwards. If you could do it, you you know, you can walk around, but it's going to be awkward and it's all of that. But if you walk in, and you, if you wear them the way they're designed to be, then it just works. And I feel like it's the same thing. When we did, I did an episode on making helper cool again. And I had a gal just email in that she was so encouraged because it just felt like, oh, this is what I've been missing. And, and it's just right there. It's just in God's word. I think he gave us this to make because it's how he made us to be. So it's meant to not be a burden. It's meant to be a blessing. I agree with that. And I think that when you find yourself disagreeing with the word, and then you just say, you know what, I'm going to choose to submit to the word. As soon as you change your heart on that, it's exactly what you're saying. It just feels like, oh, I wish I would have done this earlier because it feels right. And then I feel like when you're submitted to the word, the Lord says, now watch, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to exponentially bless you in your role now that you kind of understand, here's what your role is. I feel like that with uh, men and women, you know, when men realize that they're to step up and lead in the church, a lot of guys I know are like, Brett, I'm not qualified to be a leader or an elder or pastor. Or, and they would all say, my wife's way more qualified than I am in that role. And they just, they're, they're uncomfortable with it, even in and of themselves. But once those guys step up, man, it's just fun to watch 
just how the Lord says, now watch this. I'm going to use the weak and the foolish to confound the wise, and I'm going to give them power by the Spirit to speak a word of knowledge or, you know, a great word of prophecy of exhortation, comfort, you know, edification. And then they feel like, wow, look what the Lord's doing through a goofy person like myself. The person that finds himself just submitting to the Lord, the Lord says, I can use that, that person. And that's when we're all impressed and we give glory to God. We realize oh, we're not glorifying the men or the women of Nathan Greek. We're just saying, look what God can do through men and through women when they do what I've asked them to do. It's pretty, pretty cool. And comes back to really what our whole purpose is, to glorify God. It's not to have you know, everyone look at your marriage like it's amazing or, you know, your job, like, you know, no one's better. Our whole job is to glorify the Lord. And I think we lose sight of that sometimes too. So I just think, you know, when you do those things right, it's amazing how so many things start to click into place. Things that you think are unrelated in knowing our roles. And once we knew that, whether it's in marriage or in the church, you just watch these other things that you would have said were unrelated like your children and their behavior. Why are they snapping into place too? When you find those roles are where they need to be. It's almost like, you know, Jesus said something about that, you know, in Matthew 6, when he said, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God as righteousness. And then all these other things are going to be added unto you. And I feel like these are the things that when a person submits to God and submits to his word and his plan, man, there's just no stopping what the Lord can do. Well, I think I will leave it with that. That's a really good place to finish up. So thank you so much for joining us. We'll we'll try to sneak you back in here at least once a year, oh, right? I, I love it. Yeah. And keep up the great work. Um, I'm so blessed by what the women's ministry at Athey's doing. And I hear all the time the ladies excited about uh, the studies and the get-togethers and just um, so many amazing women in our church. One of the things I love is just all the women volunteering. If we didn't have that group, uh, Athey'd be toast. We have an amazing group of women that are helping with so many things. Uh, so keep up the good work. We love what's going on here with Athey's Women Ministry. Well, awesome. Well, thanks. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to the Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of Athey Creek Christian Fellowship in West Lynn, Oregon. For more resources, or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at apcreek.com.